All right, welcome back to Inside Flicks. This is our weekly discussion podcast where we talk about movies, TV, whatever that comes to our mind. My name is Mike, and like always, I'm here with my two brothers, Richard and Raymond. Say hello, fellas. Hello, hey. hello. And uh, so this is kind of a free-form discussion about some of the things we have uh, heard about, some of the things that we have watched. And so let's start with, uh, uh, I guess, the, the, well, this is the... Let me start with Tom Cruise being number one in the box office because I really want to go into this about how Tom Cruise is kind of is now considered now with everyone else. He's considered like the 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 last movie star that we have. And it's I found that so odd because, you know, just a couple of years ago, he was a guy who was almost almost gone from the industry. He was kind of a joke. He was the guy who was hopping on the on the sofa with Oprah Winfrey. He was in love with Katie Holmes. <laughs> he, he had he was in like a beef with with Brooke Shields. Remember that one? There something about the he he disagreed with her. Um, oh yeah 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 yeah. I forgot what it was something about um, her medications. Go- what medications. was that? Yeah, something Medi- about medication and also about something about um, going to a psych. Uh, oh, psychiatric. Uh, evaluations and stuff like that yeah yeah she was uh, seeing a doctor for her depression and he mm. and he had the belief that you could just squeeze it out or something <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> just yeah. do a couple of push-ups or something mm-hmm. and so he was it was a kind of a weird time and this was like during the war world what was that movie with uh, edge of tomorrow no uh with uh, steven spielberg war of the worlds war of the worlds this was he was promoting war of the worlds and you know he got himself in a little bit of trouble there mm. And and also, you know, at one point he was doing he was going to do the the mummy franchise, yeah. Yeah, the dark universe. He was gonna take over that and then he was gonna leave Mission Impossible and it didn't happen. Uh you know, luckily for him he stuck to it. Yeah. And he made the Mission Impossible his kind of flagship, you know, of his career. And now with Top Gun Maverick, he's back on top. Huge hit. I don't know, what's your thoughts about um Tom Cruise as like our last movie star. Yeah, I mean, um, Clint Eastwood's <laughs> is closer to his grave, and uh, <laughs> well, come on, take well, it easy. Did you see Cry Macho? I mean, am I am I exaggerating it? Uh, no, uh, <laughs> I know he's he's get, he's in his nineties. He's definitely getting up there. Yes, yes. Um, but we we, uh, we hope that he lives another ninety years. <laughs> yes, of course. But looking at Cry Macho, I was going, "Oh my god, uh, uh, why?" <laughs> I wouldn't say Clint Eastwood is his contemporary, right? I, I would say <laughs> no, no, no. But I'm just, I'm just saying. That, uh, I mean, you can't get, you can't, you can't be in it. I mean, he's going to be our next Clint Eastwood. That's what I'm saying. We're going to see him till he's that age. Oh yeah, I think so. I think yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And, yeah, and, uh, I mean, Arnold, which I, I thought you know would be our next. Um, um, Charlton Heston also. I mean, you know, how we, we mm-hmm. saw Charlton Heston too. Um, <laughs> he never gave up acting. And um, well, I mean, and, he, uh, uh, Arnold went to, to politics and then mm-hmm. he had that scandal with the maid and all of, of that. Course, and then yeah. he tried to come back to films and he, he was never able to kind of relive those glory days well the terminators uh, yeah. bombed it for me i mean it just you got but even, even like some of the movies that was the non-terminators it didn't do well and mm-hmm. so he's now kind of have a, he's like in a nice retirement phase of his career and stallone uh came back with expendables and then creed 
Yeah. Um, but um, now he's going to be on TV, which but but it's uh, uh, it's going to be it's going to be good because <laughs> it's uh, yeah. But I, I would say Tom Cruise. This this is funny because Tom Cruise is one of the rare kind of action heroes who actually could act. I mean, there's there's a swinging or what's it called? Not a swinging. Um, a, a sliding door effect here where if like like say in, in, when he was doing Magnolia. And mm -hmm. he got an Oscar nomination for that. And let's say he, if he won an Oscar for a supporting actor, I think his career would have would would have gone totally different how how compared to what is what is done now. I mean, he, he's now he's like the American version of Jackie Chan, you know, doing doing all his own stunts. Uh, but but also Tom Cruise for the longest time he was al always. Uh considered to be like dick clark you know forever young <laughs> but uh top gun maverick is probably his last film where we go oh that's tom cruise the mission the latest mission impossible trailer i, I saw a damn difference in his in his face it's uh, the wall came yeah that the wall came for him but but he's he's <laughs> but he's 60 he's 60 years old now right, whatever right. He i mean is, everyone yeah. so, i mean even brad pitt who was around the yeah. same age he is looking older now too I think he looks pretty good this, on the bullet train movie. So, um, still, so, um, you know, like, yeah, well, I, I know we, I know what you're talking about because Tom Cruise yeah, always had shaming that. Him, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> but then no, no, I think, I think, uh, 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 I think we, I know what you're talking about because Tom Cruise always had like that baby face, you know, appeal to him, especially with the, with the first, his first kind of big movie with Top Gun in the, in yeah. the eighties. That was the, the, he was like kind of this fresh face, you know, boy or whatever well but, i mean we're going to eventually see how much vaseline they put on the next in, in indiana jones film i mean indiana the next indiana jones film is going to have a lot of cgi i've added to it to make him look young and you talking about harrison ford now yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> he is definitely in his 80s whatever <laughs> going to be late 70s in this next indiana jones well, let's, film. let's and, talk a little about that because they released a photo the first photo of yeah the, uh, indiana jones in the shadows of course <laughs> But it, what was your thoughts on that? Because he's walking on a bridge. Mm -hmm. It seems like he's going back in a cave of some kind, or I don't know. It wasn't to me. That wasn't that impressed. <laughs> I wasn't that impressed by that. No, photo. I I would I would at least want a a, a title to come out of it. Mm. Um, but um, I'm hoping for the best. Look, it's Indiana Jones. I mean, I want it to be good, of course. And James Mangold, out of all the other directors they could have picked. I'm satisfied with James Mangold. I, I thought I think uh, I I think he could do a good job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Raymond, did you have a chance to to see the photo? Yeah, it's pretty lame. All right, I wasn't very impressed at all. I was just like, oh yeah, it's a old man cosplaying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, well. old man cosplaying in the shadows. <laughs> I mean. What's your thoughts on, on Tom Cruise then as our kind of last movie star? I mean, I mean, Tom Cruise has earned it, I mean, so I, I agree. But he is a movie star. He is a movie star, and he is a, an action star too. Mm -hmm. So, he, but he could—he's one of those guys who could pull off both, mm -hmm. which is cool. Um, well, that's what I kind of miss with with Tom Cruise, Cruise because he, you know, with with. You know, Top Gun Maverick. It seems like it's another more action-heavy film. Uh, his next movie is going to be the in, in, another Mission Impossible movie, which is you know like it's all action. Mm -hmm. I kind of miss that you know the actor Tom Cruise because I think he could win an Oscar. I don't know if it's going to be Top Gun Maverick. I, I don't know why people are saying that, but you know, people are saying that. 
Mm-hmm. But I, 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 he, he could do like a drama. He could do like the. You know, remember when he did the firm? <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Or like Magnolia, a, Magnolia, a few good men, Rain Man. Yeah, these are all great performances for him, and yet he kind of. I think I think as soon as he lost his, um, you know, sanity. <laughs> no, there was a point where his his career was in jeopardy, and I think he's just kind of leaned heavy in the action genre. And that, and I think he kind of sees these movies, and I don't know why, but he kind of sees these movies as a potential for him to learn a new kind of skill, learn mm-hmm. how to fly a helicopter, learn how to fly a jet, or mm-hmm. learn how to ski di- dive, or you know, jump off a cliff, or whatever. Every every movie he does, it's, it's got to be some kind of a new way for him to learn about something and take courses yeah. for you know. Yeah, I think the last most most uh, dramatic take of the film that he did was probably American Made, um, mm-hmm. um, which uh, I liked. Yeah. Uh, I, I, a lot of people shit on it, but um, I, I kind of like. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I liked. Um, um, I thought he, I thought he looked pretty good actually in that <laughs> film too. I mean, uh, he looked younger than. Uh, than <laughs> you didn't I, need I, not that much uh, Vaseline on the lens. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, um, I don't know. <laughs> You know, I would like like I were really saying. I think he he's I think he's a terrific actor, and I think a lot of people, but I think younger audiences thinks he is some kind of stuntman turned actor or something, which is not the case. I don't know about that. <laughs> well, one role that I remember him that I go, wow, he could actually win an Oscar for this role for the, for this performance was Collateral. And, oh uh, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, and and I really wished he would have he would have uh, because that would have been a best supporting actor. I think it could have been it could have been best supporting. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, um, if they would have went for it, but um, was that it, a, was that a box office hit? I don't remember. I think it was somewhat. I mean, it was and like uh, if that was like a huge like global box office hit. I think he would have maybe pursued more of that. Well, I guess he maybe War of the Worlds was him also trying to toe that line between dramatic acting and, and you know spectacles mm-hmm. science fiction spectacle mm-hmm. well, here it says it just made over 101 million dollars and it cost 65 million so it was just, just a normal hit yeah i initially didn't like that movie but uh, after after a couple more years i i, I come to appreciate it really yeah i I'll, come to appreciate it more i mean it's a it's a good terrific thriller from michael mann mm-hmm. yeah that was the last performance that i remember him doing a really good job i mean that that I would have nominated him myself. Out of us three, Raymond, you saw the top, the latest Tom Cruise movie, the the uh, Top Gun Maverick. Tell us a little bit about what what's your feelings on that movie. Uh, I thought it was uh, surprisingly uh, really good. Uh, when it started off, um, it, it was very kind of nostalgic. It seemed like a, a almost like a, a just a, a nostalgia film, but. Uh, it was it's it's just a it was just a little bit in the beginning and uh, I I think overall just all the kind of callbacks and um, it was kind of well handled. It was the mo- yeah I guess the movie just the movie just kind of got better as it went along. I something that I noticed um, in the theater when I watched it was uh, you know early on in the film there there wasn't you know that much of applause in the theater. You could you would only hear like a few kind of uh, kind of claps throughout the, the theater just spread throughout the spread throughout the auditorium but you know not not that many mm-hmm. but as the movie went on uh especially like once you get to like the to the third act you know the whole theater started applauding and it's like you know it's a movie that you know won everyone over by the end 
yeah, it's a quality film. I, I don't like it as much as like the Mission Impossible movies, but I mean, I, I, I completely, to be completely honest, I, I hate the first Top Gun. I think it's a pretty overrated movie. So I went into this like with extremely low expectations. And uh, so, for, so for me to like have walked out with the movie, like, you know, pretty satisfied and uh, enjoying it. And uh, I, I, I mean, I think the movie's going to end up having a strong word of mouth because of that. I mean, I think a lot of people are going to end up enjoying it. I mean, because clearly, I mean, it, it, in the theater, there was a lot of people early on that weren't into it. But by the end, uh, everyone was seemed pretty happy. Well, you know, let's talk about the original Top Gun because I, I recently went back to watch it. It's available on Netflix, mm-hmm. but I think it's a. I think by now it's gone. <laughs> oh, the thirty first. Well, maybe it's on Paramount Plus now. It's probably yeah. It's probably still on Paramount Plus. I mean, I, I think this is the first time I've seen it in like thirty years or something. I mean, missing out, huh? <laughs> And you, Raymond, you said you you don't like that movie, right? Original Top Gun. Yeah. No. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't work for me. To say, I, I, it didn't help. It didn't hold up. It isn't one of these movies that holds up over time. I think it, it, you can see the flaws, the many flaws. And although I can't deny the power of that movie because it it really it was such a big cultural phenomenon at the time. I think it came out in 1986, and it was a big deal. It made Tom Cruise who he is now, and it made Tony Scott who he is. Or who he was, it also helped uh, Don Simpson and Jerry Bronkheimer to, you know, the although the you know they did a couple movies before, but you know this really kind of uh, cemented their 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 summer blockbusters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was fine. It was still, it. I knew going in as the, I, I remember seeing it like in the, <laughs> in the ni- late early nineties, whatever. It was the, your typical '80s kind of block summer blockbuster type of movies. Mm-hmm. There's a over there's a uh, sensationalism to the film that I just found to be very surface level stuff. You know, there's there's nothing here that really says anything that uh, says there's nothing in that movie that screams this needs to be a sequel. <laughs> you know, and 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 for for hearing people or hearing critics, film critics saying that. This is one of their favorite movies of the '80s, or one of the favorite Tom Cruise's movies. I'm like, are you crazy? This, this movie is, it's, it's fine for what it is. It's, it's a time capsule type of movie. But, um, like, like the only thing I kind of liked about it was that you know it really showed a early Tony Scott. I'm a huge Tony Scott fan, but I think this is one of his lesser films. And it also shows, like, again, like, why the movie succeeds. It really shows the power of Tom Cruise as a superstar, as an actor who kind of uh, really does a really good job at these type of archetypes. He's a cocky young kid who is a little bit a loose cannon. And he is, but he's smart and he's brilliant. But uh, he is, uh, there's, there's odds against him and he needs to overcome those odds. And you see that type of role in all throughout his career. You see it in. A Few Good Men, you see it in, it's definitely in the Mission Impossible films. It's the same kind of archetype, the same type of style, it's the same type of role. And he kind of, this is the first time he kind of adopts that. Uh, what I do like about the movie is that it, it really shows you that uh, t- Tony Scott, he has a control over image. He knows how to set a image correctly. The whole movie looks beautiful, you know. Yeah. It's great cinematography and stuff like that. The just the characterization of these people in the film 
doesn't hold up. I mean, I don't I don't believe that love story with Kelly McGillis. No, <laughs> it's a comical. It's, yeah. It doesn't even work. I mean, if, if they, they don't, it, they but have you know no. what? You know what? Uh, as as great as the new Top Gun movie is, mm-hmm. it's not perfect. Mm-hmm. I would say that the 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 romance between uh, Tom Cruise and Jennifer Connelly is very close to <laughs> being as bad as the one from the original. Like it, like to the point where it's like maybe they're doing it this bad on purpose, like so they can mirror the original. Mm. Well, if you think but, about it, so I, if you think about it, Tom Cruise doesn't have great chemistry with actresses. <laughs> you know, he didn't really have a great chemistry with uh, Demi Moore, and and they kind of play with that in 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 oh. Jerry Maguire. He was a guy who wasn't able to have emotions. <laughs> he was like a robot in that movie, and or like that, in Magnolia. Same thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- there was so he kind of breaks down in the end of the movie. I think there's something about Tom Cruise where he just doesn't have great chemistry with a lot of, well, a lot of his co-stars. It's only mm-hmm. that's why it only has to be focused on him. If he's doing the movie, it has to focus on him, and the people have to surround him. You know, well, <laughs> maybe they're taller than him. <laughs> well, I guess yeah. Did he have great chemistry with Nicole Kidman in Far Away? <laughs> I mean, did he? I don't even remember that movie. Uh, yeah, it was a uh, Taming of the Shrew kind of a. Uh... Uh, love affair. He did have great chemistry with Brad Pitt in inter- Interview with the Vampire. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but going back to Top Gun, I think Tom, you know the reason if I do like that movie is because of what Tony Scott did and the way he was able to fi- film that movie like a uh, commercial. It was a, a, it's just a ninety minute commercial for the Navy, you know. Mm-hmm. And the thing, the thing is Basically. about. Yeah, the the one thing I got out of watching that Top Gun for you know this recently, this watching it again last week, it was that I didn't realize how close it compared to Office Officer and a Gentleman, mm. which is the the Richard Gere movie. An yeah. Officer and Gentleman. Yeah. It's almost almost beat for beat the same kind of film if you think about it, because Richard Gere in that movie is. Um, also a cocky guy who has a lot of skills and he's also going to the navy he wants to be a, f- a fighter pilot it's uh i think it's a much better film you know so i would uh-huh. just i would uh, recommend watching a officer and gentleman you know there's a there's a lot you know he has a best friend who has a similar kind of um he's similar to goose uh, he he uh, has a love affair with uh, Deborah Winger, which is a much better romance. I think it's just a better movie. All right, let's get into uh, another kind of shocking news that came out a couple of days ago: mm-hmm. the death of Ray Liotta. Uh, uh, you know, this is talk about great actors. I think this guy was one of the great character actors of the '90s. He starred in one of my favorite movies of all time, Goodfellas. And I, you know, when we go back and when we look back at Goodfellas, I think sometimes Ray Liotta gets over cat overshadowed by the the rest of the cast you know with mm-hmm. robert de niro and um he's the star of the movie and for whatever reason it seems like robert de niro and joe pesci gets the more press or even yeah. paul savino you know but i think ray Liotta, particularly in that movie really proved that he was this great actor who's who can stand against these legends and not feel like out of place uh, something wild though. I mean, his uh, 
I, I think he it, that that had to have been the first performance where he really kind of like proved himself, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I would say that performance is like just as good as his performances in, in Goodfellas. He might not be like acting against you know um, Robert De Niro and um, Joe Pesci, but still pretty pretty incredible performance. And um, and also I think uh, for 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 a certain generation of people. He's always going to be remembered as Tommy Versetti in Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Yeah. <laughs> memorable, memorable performance, uh, voice acting performance. Uh, probably, I would say, the best character ever in a Grand Theft Auto game. <laughs> Come on. I, I haven't, I, actually, I'm not a big uh, Grand Theft Auto guy, but yeah, I'm sure he has a great voice. I mean, Ray Liotta has one of the greatest voices in in. Uh, of all time with that you know and his laugh he has a, you know mm -hmm. people remember his laugh in goodfellas but that's his laugh he i hear it all the time when he, he you see him in some of these interviews where he starts cracking up and it's it's all my shit it's it's the henry hill laugh you know mm -hmm. so i uh, yeah i think this is a, a tremendous loss and you know he died uh suddenly he was 67 he was filming in De uh dominican republic right. he was doing a movie and he kind of never woke up it's been a few days since the the announcement, but we haven't really heard the the reason of his death. But you know, we could assume it might be heart attack or whatever. It doesn't matter. I mean, he's he's gone, and it's uh, it's unfortunate. And I think, um, yeah, he was such a talented guy, and he was doing some really great, still still doing some really great stuff. Always working, always working on on giving great performances on on everything. And saying yes to you know some crazy stuff throughout throughout his career, um, Muppets, Muppets <laughs> from Space. Well, I mean, and also that 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 um, what was that a uh, 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 elephant movie? Uh, where, um, elephant movie. Oh, yeah, uh, 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 Operation Dumbo. Uh, yeah, yeah. Why would you want to do that? I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, oh, Wild Hogs. I mean, you know. <laughs> But of course, I mean, he's best known for Narc and Copland and, uh, you know, uh, oh, um, Field of Dreams, of course. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, uh, um, um, Mark Barron had released an uh, old uh, episode of, of his interview with Ray Liotta at the time he was promoting Shades of Blue, which is the cop series that he co-starred with Jennifer Lopez. And in that interview, it was he recently reposted this in this this episode i listened to it and it was you know he was fantastic he's a great interviewee he was talking about his career how he got into the business and how he sees acting and i think the reason why he does so many different movies because he sees himself as a working actor someone who wants to jump from different you know genres and not do the same kind of character although it, it seems like he he was always kind of typecast as the crazy cop or the crazy gangster but he tried to break out of that like he did that operation dumbo <laughs> he, did, Dumbledore, he did he did the, like some of these kids movies and he so there was an attempt for him to to do different things and he he kind of succeeded in earlier in his career i mean he came he first came into the scene as an uh soap opera in um another world another world yeah so and so he just he was looking to get some uh film work and so he couldn't get it in New York, so he decided to travel to L.A. And in L.A., it took him years to finally find 
uh, job. And it, it was something wild was the first one that he was able to break out. And the only reason he got that job was because he knew a Melanie, Melanie Griffith. They were like kind of friends in L.A. And he called her up and says, you know, I never do this, but I need a job. And and she said, yeah, you actually, there's a part for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's perfect for you. Let me ask the director, Jonathan Demi. And this is one of his first movies. And they had like a, you know, he, they set up an audition and boom, they, he was able to get it. And it is, like Raymond said, it is a great part. I mean, he's playing a wild man in that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and as far as Jonathan Demi films goes, uh, it was a very um, obscure like movie. Uh, it was sort of like, you know, that, that time where, you know, Madonna's uh, Desperately Seeking Susan came out and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I mean, it's, it's, it's. Yeah, something wild. I mean, it was just a, a a funky little movie that um just popped. I mean, it, it was just the it was just a sign of times and stuff like that. Yeah, it was like an old. It was, I would say like kind of a kitschy kind of comedy, like a dark comedy. Uh, Raymond, mm-hmm. you you really love this movie, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it it is kind it is kind of like yeah, I would say kind of like an eighties kind of quirky yeah kitschy comedy, but it's also really kind of uh dark yeah it gets dark at the end with with ray and and jeff uh uh daniels when they, mm-hmm. they kind of have a disencounter and yeah i mean I, me and richard actually went back to rewatch it this past weekend uh and it's i, I this is really the first time i've seen it in many years i mean i i, I really didn't remember it and yeah, I, the only thing i remembered about it is that uh, the Melanie Griffith's look, the wig look, uh, is what inspired Quentin Tarantino's uh, Uma Thurman look in, uh, in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, and that's that's the only thing I remembered in this movie. <laughs> and also, I think I think uh, a lot of it. I mean, I mentioned this to you, Rich, that it felt like a Kingpin. Yes, yes. <laughs> the Fairly Brothers. So, you know, yeah, because it's a that, movie. Something about, something about Mary. Yeah. So both, but yeah, even something about Mary, even the music and mm-hmm. the way that it was this quirky, like road movie, screwball, romantic comedy stuff that that uh, feels very much like what the Fairly bro- Brothers. Yeah, they did, they definitely lifted off this film. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I was really impressed by it. I mean, it, I, I thought I I didn't realize how great it is. It's fun. It was a fu- it's a really fun movie about how. Melanie Griffin is a uh, kind of free-spirited woman who kind of meets Jeff uh, Jeff Daniels, and he's kind of this yuppie investment banker type of guy who who, who works at Wall Street or whatever, and he, they have like this fun weekend. And Ray Liotta is Melanie Griffith's ex-boyfriend, like this real dirtbag. Oh, husband, yeah, yeah, real dirtbag kind of character, and he's 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 hilarious. But he becomes very frightening at the end. I mean, he's just terror, terrorizing uh, uh, Jeff Daniels the whole movie, and so it's so so it's really crazy. It's a, I mean, really again, it just proves like Ray Liotta is just great, great character actor who's really who's who's just so good in it. And 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 Jonathan Jonathan Demi's direction in it it was far um, basic mm-hmm. for uh, Jonathan Demi because when you think of Jonathan Demi, you think of uh, shots that are in there directly in their face you know uh there wasn't much in that in this one film there's a couple you know the po like he's famous for his pov kind of shots where the, yeah. the actors just talk just straight talk to straight ca- to the camera right? yeah there was a couple i mean i think uh he eventually got used to that 
technique later, especially this when is, they cut. It's just married to the mob days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I think once he got to Silence of the Lambs, that's when he kind of like this is my oh, style because yeah. yeah. he did the same thing with Philadelphia, you know. Yeah, I mean, like, just to go back to Ray Liotta again. As far as Ray Liotta's career goes, I mean, like like I said, he was constantly working. And and after, I mean, one of the last films he did is Many Saints of New York, which wasn't well-received, but um, uh, everyone uh, praised his performance in it. Mm-hmm. And But he has uh, a, cu- a couple films that are still, you know, um, in post-production and oh, yeah. going to be coming out. One, including... Uh, um charlie days charlie days uh directorial debut and uh also another film with um uh called cocaine bear with uh, from director elizabeth banks which hopefully is good (laughs) (laughs) it seems like Um, comedies right like two comedies yeah so um he did a lot of comedy in the second half of his career yeah well i guess throughout his whole career right yeah yeah well i mean he, he we, you know, we saw him. We saw him in that No Sudden Move the last year. Oh yeah, who was direct, uh, Steven Soderbergh? Yeah, Steven Soderbergh. He was great in No, no Sudden Move. He was also great. Small in, part, yeah. Small part. He also had a small part in in Marriage Story, where yeah. he, he played a divorce law, a lawyer, and he was yeah. fantastic. I, I, yeah. I wish that he got nominated for that part because I think yeah. he was so great in Marriage Story. And uh, he he must also uh, uh, Ray Liotta must also be remembered for. Uh, Main, uh, maintaining his performance uh, while acting against 50 Cent and all things fall apart. <laughs> well, you, I, mean, I mean, you remember like 50 Cent in that wig and all that? It's like, damn, he had to act like, like good job, Riffiota, for you know, keeping a straight face during that performance. Well, he's a working actor, like you were saying. In, in, in I know, but like, I was surprised he even did that movie. <laughs> well... Hell of a career. I mean, he, he's worked with Martin Scorsese and Yui Bowl, so, uh, so <laughs> that's, that's that's one hell of a career. What's one? What, yeah. d- Rich? Tell us one movie that you, you wish people, more people, should see. What, what 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 movie that didn't get that much clout? Doesn't get that much well, respect? Narc is the one that um, I wish everybody could see, but uh, it's not available anywhere. So that's the one that I wish um, someone would pick up to get released somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, as far as I know, it's in, I think it's in like, uh, in, it's in rotation on, um, uh, on cable channels, but who has cable anymore? I mean, it's all streaming. And, and Raymond, for you, it's all things fall apart. Do you want <laughs> more people to see that movie? No, no. <laughs> well, I mean, everyone's seen Goodfellas. I assume that's like his most popular movie, but, um, I would say, um, people should go back and watch something wild, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. It's great. It still holds up. I think it's a, it's also a great snapshot of that time in 1986 or whatever. It's it really kind of shows you the yuppie, the the, the rise of the yuppie in New York. It also shows a really vibrant New York. You know, Jonathan Demi gets a bunch of cast of great odd characters in the background, supporting characters. It really feels like they were like real people. Yeah, yeah, and people should also go back and watch his performance in uh, Observe and Report. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, awesome. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta. Um, I don't remember if I watched it, but the Rat Pack from HBO movie. Mm. He played Frank Sinatra. I wonder. Uh, I don't think I've seen that one actually. Yeah, I, I remember I, I, he had it on DVD. 
Well, the one that I, the one I want to say is Dominic Eugene. This is the one oh, right, oh, right. This is the one right after something wild, where he's playing like a young uh, uh, doctor. He wants a you're a medical student, and he has mm-hmm. a, a a younger brother who is a, a slow adult. And it was like kind of the sweet little kind of yeah. character driven movie where it's about these brothers. It's really kind of based on a mice of men or something like that. Right. Or mm-hmm. or a rain man. It's it was some kind of really sweet kind of film. And he's not playing a gangster, he's playing a normal dude. Uh, it, was, it feels like he's almost playing himself because I think I think a lot of people say that he was he really was a sweet man. Mm-hmm. And I think you see that in Dominic and Eugene. I don't know where you can find it, but it's it's one of the movies I remember watching back then. Another movie which I know you can't find because I think this is uh, out of out of print, but it's No Escape. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Which is a science fiction film, a dystopian film by director Martin Campbell. He is uh, the director of Casino Royale, and it's uh he's basically playing. I think he's playing a uh, prisoner. Yeah, it's like it's almost like uh uh. uh Escape from New York, right? It's almost the same idea, right? Yeah, uh, kind of like um, ru- kind of like Running Man, but uh, with no no game, or is it a game really? I mean, uh, no, no, like- no. It's he's just he was sent to this island where it's all prisoners. It's like yeah. it's in the future, and so he has to uh, he has to he's trying to find a way to escape. He's I think he was a soldier one an ex-soldier that he's a prisoner he's get he gets dumped into this island with a bunch of prisoners and he needs to he forms a kind of a escape plan you know mm-hmm. there's no escape but he's trying to find a way to escape and it's, it's a fun kind of 90s cult 90s science fiction thriller that no one talks about and i think it's hard to find i don't know if it's available anywhere i liked it a lot <laughs> back then but anyway i mean that's right that's uh Ray Liotta, a great actor who died too soon. I uh, just wanted to give us a really quick tribute about his career. And, you know, if nothing else, go watch Goodfellas for the hundredth time or whatever. Um, yeah, let's talk about some of the trailers that came out this uh, couple of days ago. I mean, we last episode, we talked about a lot of the trailers that came out earlier last week. Mm-hmm. But there was actually a couple of trailers that came out uh, the end of last week where we didn't get a chance to really talk about. And we're two big ones. I mean, we got the because of Star Wars Celebration, they released the first teaser trailer for Andor, which is a, a prequel series to Rogue One, and it's bringing back Dega Luna as uh, Andor, the character that he played in the in that film. Cassian Andor, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cassian Andor, a Rebel Alliance officer, and uh, I guess in this this prequel series is he a rebel alliance officer or is he going to get recruited or i'm not sure what's your feelings of the, the teaser trailer looks expensive looks good i mean looks like a, a real movie uh and uh like it's it's not a bunch of uh you know films made in a bubble kind of film uh, uh feel mm-hmm. to it um you know like how the mandalorian and all of them do mm-hmm. um it uh it it looks truly epic and it looks like it, it took them a long time, which it did. I mean, mm-hmm. this film has was first uh, uh, released uh, like uh, a featurette like three years ago at least, right? I mean, that first featurette, that first look featurette. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so, yeah, I'm glad. It, um, I'm glad it looks this good. I hope it really is this good. Um, it, it, I was impressed. 
do you think the character of Cassian Endor is he going to be recruited to the Rebel Alliance or is this yeah it looks like it's going to be his origin like you're like uh, I, I thought it, it feels like they're they're destroying his hometown or whatever in the in the beginning of the trailer and maybe he'll we we'll see him as a child or or uh, and he gets picked up by them I don't know I, maybe it's just his family gets killed or something like that but mm -hmm. I don't uh, it's it, it seems like it's his, his hometown that gets uh, it seems very dark, right? Yeah. It seems yeah. dark for, for a Star Wars series because they tend to be more lighter or they're, they're trying to, well, at least they, they try to stay away from some of the dark ideas. or They the, try to stay away from wars. Yeah. Yeah. And this seems like this is definitely going to show you why we should be afraid of the Empire. Uh, Raymond, what's your thoughts on Andor? I think it looks uh, really cool. I mean, I, I it, it kind of like... um. Uh, when Rogue One came out, it, it, it's it Rogue Rogue One kind of came out at, at mm -hmm. the, like the perfect time. I feel mm -hmm. it felt because, um, well, I guess not maybe not a lot of people, but they were starting to kind of already kind of be a, a some backlash of, at least amongst us three mm -hmm. about um, For Force Awakens, and then that movie kind of like brought us back. And it's like, oh yeah, this is this is more like what what Star Wars should be. Mm -hmm. And now that you know Mandalorian came out, and Mandalorian was you know pretty good. And then Book of Boba Fett comes up and stinks up the place. Mm -hmm. It's nice that we're getting this kind of Andor, which is like, oh, yeah, this is what Star Wars TV should be. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the hope. I mean, that's the hope. Because I always wanted yeah. the, the the war part of Star Wars. And I think we got that in Rogue One. We definitely got that in Rogue One. And that's why I can't, I think I, I really enjoyed Rogue One, certainly uh, compared to the other recent Star Wars films. And I think it's the best one out of those bunch. And, and, you know, here we got Tony Gilroy coming back. He was the co-writer of Rogue One. He's the kind of secretly was the guy who directed the reshoots. And um, he's back here as the showrunner for this series. And uh, I'm just hoping for the best because I think Diego Luna's character, Cassian Endor, didn't really impress me in Rogue One that much. I mean, he's okay in that film. But I think in this one, he, the, the, that my mind will be changed after w watching it. I agree because, yeah, I, I didn't love his character in, um, in Rogue One. But I think a big part of that is because he, he was never really the main focus of that movie. But he, there was so mu there's so much potential in that character. You know what I mean? He's like kind of like Han Solo, but like possibly more ruthless because this is like before you know this is a prequel oh. well i mean spoilers for rogue one i mean dad's <laughs> <laughs> but i mean uh so i bet i mean when we first started off in that movie he we, i mean he was kind of ruthless so i mean there's there, there's a lot of potential on what they could do with him yeah definitely definitely so we got that teaser trailer what's another teaser trailer we saw on uh that came out in in, in uh star star wars celebration what was the other one rich willow yes we got the first look of willow the the long-awaited sequel series to the cult 1988 fantasy film from lucasfilm they that was directed by ron howard mm -hmm. did ron howard wrote that movie or was just no it was george, george lucas, lucas. just george, george lucas <laughs> of, of course right <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that original willow movie man like um it, it does not hold up, right? I mean, I think we can all agree. <laughs> it's a fantasy film. Yeah, it's, um, yeah. It's a fantasy film before we got movies like Lord of the Rings, before we got Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings. It's like right. the fantasy before fantasy works. <laughs> I mean, I remember liking Willow, but also you could it have- its moments. Yeah. I, I think you can have both, both things could be this, be true. 
Mm-hmm. It could be it could be a fun movie, but also a very bad movie as well. I mean, <laughs> I, and then that's how I categorize Willow. It's not the greatest film. It's not the greatest film of all time. It's a, uh, but I love um, Warwick Davis in in the first yes. film as Willow and Val Kilmer and Val Val Kilmer. He was great as Mad Mardigan. Unfortunate he's wasn't he's not he's not able to come back because of his health condition, his current health condition. I mean, I guess they could bring him back, but it, I think it, I don't know if it would work. But yeah, what what's your thoughts on, on this uh, on this teaser trailer? It looks okay. It looks fun. I mean, it looks okay. I mean, the first movie reminded me like a Time Bandits. Um, the uh, annoying things was the 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 uh, fairies, the two fairies, the annoying thing in the in the, in in the original. Yeah, and it looks like yeah, they there were back. there were other annoying parts too. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Um. But you know th- this new this new Willow for, to me, it looks like it's going to definitely be better than the original Willow. But I don't think it's going to be as memorable or as enjoyable as it. You know what I mean? Because this looks a little generic. It looks like a lot like a lot of the Disney kind of adventure movies that we get, mm-hmm. which does you know kind of tell us maybe a certain type of quality to expect. And I think Disney has kind of, I think, kind of be- gotten better at a lot of those type of movies. Like, I, I don't know, at least the movies that I'm trying to think of, like, uh, like their their remake of um, of Pete's Dragon or something like that. Mm. It looks like it might be uh, like one of those type of children movies. Yeah, and I could get, I I might be able to get on board on with that, but a lot of times, you know, these Disney movies they just have a certain flavor to it, and not just like a tonally, but just a a look to it, and um. Yeah, I mean, let, let, let's hope that the, 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 the Willow can break the Disney curse, I guess, and uh, and actually be original. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I I, I I wish I could uh, be that positive positive, but I mean, it's like like I, I look, I like the the t- teaser trailer for, for from what I could tell, it looks fine, but what makes me unsure of of its potential is the the creator of the series. Jonathan Kasdan, who co-wrote uh, Solo, mm-hmm. and he is, you know, the younger sibling or no, the youngest child. Uh, Lawrence Lawrence Kasdan. Yeah, yeah, he's Lawrence Kasdan's youngest kid. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the is, is he the new girl guy? No, that's the actually that's the other guy. That's a guy. I, that's a guy Jake, I kind of Jake. Yeah, Jake Kasdan is the guy I I respect. <laughs> Jonathan is the guy. I don't think he. I don't think he should be in this position. How can he? This is nepotism to the highest level, and I, <laughs> I, I just I don't get how he's. In, he only did like one movie, I think, and it was like this independent movie, and now he's on Solo, and now he's the showrunner of Willow, the creative. I mean, like, I mean, I, I, dude, this is nepotism to the to the worst degree. <laughs> I just and I don't think he's that talented, and that's why I don't think Willow's going to be that great. Um, I do like Warwick Davis. I think he has become a really great actor. You know, his work with uh, the Ricky Gervais series, Life is Too Short, is that what mm-hmm. it's called? Uh, was, I don't know what it was called. It was he, was so, like he was so funny. And he did a better impersonation of Ricky Gervais than Ricky Gervais. He's mm-hmm. a better Ricky Gervais. You know, that, that character, that snarky character that he does. Yeah. And he's great at comedy. And I think he's become a really great actor. And so I think he's going to be great in this this Willow series. He's going to bring it. Unfortunately, my my problems is with the the people behind the scenes. 
Jonathan Kasdan <laughs> disguises. Yeah. I don't know if the. I you know. Look, I don't know. I don't. I don't. But I, I mean, I don't but, see it. You know, to, to be fair, it's Willow, man. I mean, like it, true, it, true. It, I mean, the original Willow works for reasons that, like, you know. It's almost like it's almost ironically good if that makes any sense. You know what I mean? Like it, you know, it's it's like Top Gun <laughs> original. <laughs> you know, it's just it's it's a product of its time. And I think uh, this this new one, unfortunately, is probably going to end up just being a product of our time. You know, it's going to be just a very kind of typical movie, an another typical Disney product, and that's what kind of worries me the most about it because. Um, I think the one thing that you can say about Willow, while it was very 80s, it was still pretty, pretty unique. It, it had, yeah, yeah it, bar it stole from a lot of different things and was trying to be a lot of different things, but it still kind of ended up being its own mess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Willow is kind of like this, uh, the same, my same. It's like um, Flash Gordon. <laughs> yeah, or uh, I could pair Willow to, to uh, Ridley Scott's uh, uh, Legend. Mm. Yeah, uh, the Tom Cruise movie. <laughs> yeah, the Tom Cruise movie, which is not great, but it's good to look at. There's some fine moments in it. It's not a really great movie, but it lives in that kind of world where you know you can you can watch it with your kids and stuff, or yeah, you can yeah. watch it as a young young person and kind of and like Val it. Kilmer, Val Kilmer saves a lot of a lot of it. Yeah, Val Kilmer is the best yeah. thing about Will, the original film. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that none of the these younger cast members feel like they're have yeah. the same level. All right, well, let's get to our next teaser trailer, which is just came out today. Uh, Pinocchio. This is a live action retelling of the classic fairy tale for Disney Plus. This comes from Oscar winner, Oscar winning filmmaker Robert Zemeckis, and he's reteaming with Tom Hanks, who is playing Geppetto in this film. And so what's your thoughts on this first teaser trailer? Um, I, I don't know. It, it it looks pretty crappy. Like it looks like a kind of like soulless, another kind of Disney soulless remake, uh, just like the, the rest of the ones they made. Um, and this seems like it's going to be more, uh, I guess, along the lines of something like Lion King, where it's like maybe like a shot for shot remake, where it's like what's even the point of watching this at all? Mm -hmm. Um. I, the only positive thing I can say about it is that it's going straight to Disney Plus, <laughs> and um, it looks like Tom Hanks, uh, like he in the upcoming Elvis, is going to probably be giving one of the worst performances of his career. So there's that to look forward to. Interesting, because it might be dueling bad performances by Tom. <laughs> yeah, Hanks. he might get a, du a double <laughs> Razzie. <laughs> and it's funny because Tom Hanks is not known for. I mean, he, he's even though when he's doing like things with an accent, like say for Terminal. The, the Spielberg movie. I thought he was pretty good in the movie, although, you know, a lot of people oh, I love up. the Terminal. Yeah. Underrated movie, in my opinion. Yeah, me too. I mean, I, I, and his accents, and his accent in that movie is, you know, not that great. But at least they were comes from enough. a fictional Eastern European country. So it's, it's a made-up accent. So it kind of works in that sense. But, yeah, I mean, it's funny because he's coming with these two movies, and it's the first time I really go... Oh man, Tom Hanks is really dropping the ball on this stuff, man. <laughs> and I got the same feeling when watching the teaser trailer for Pinocchio. He doesn't look. I mean, I, it's it's just hard for me to wrap my head around. I mean, why would you want to do this? And I know he's working with Robert Zemeckis again. And yeah. uh, well, but... in um, in the movie uh, Cloud Atlas, um, Tom Hanks got to play you know a bunch of different uh, types of characters, and uh, he had to got he got to 
give a lot of very different type of performances that he never really gave before. And I thought he was fantastic in that movie. But it was very kind of like small performances, like, you know, because it was like uh, the the way that movie was kind of made. It was like just a bunch of little vignettes, if you will. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I don't know. And that that film, I guess maybe it was able, it was, he was, it was able to work better because it was just like scenes. But here, um, I don't don't know, man. It's very weird why he's not, he's not pulling it off. Maybe once we watch Elvis and Pinocchio, we'll be like, oh, Tom Hanks is incredible in this movie. What were we, t- what were we thinking? Maybe. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> is it Chet? <laughs> is it Chet? It's, I think it's Chet, right? Chet's fucking him up, right? Psychologically. <laughs> Maybe it's not White Boy's uh, Summer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rich, what's your thoughts on the, on the teaser trailer? It looked kind of cheap to me. I mean, it was... Um, it's Disney+. Plus. Yeah, uh, no, because it had a hundred fifty million dollar budget. Uh, that's what they says, yeah. So, and um, I know it's Robert Zemeckis, but it's also Don Burgess uh, cinematography. Oh wow! Yeah. It looked too digital. It looked like a television uh, movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and we didn't see no Pinocchio. I'm wondering if it's Robert Zemeckis is going to use the same technology that he did for his last failure film. Um, what was that one uh, with the Welcome to Marwin? Um, <laughs> It's got to be the same technology for Pinocchio on that one. So he's well. He's always been a guy, you know, trying to advance, uh, you know, uh, the technology in film. I feel like you know, even with like Back to the Future and definitely in Roger Rabbit. I mean, I guess uh, throughout his career, he's done this, but uh, <laughs> Polar Express. <laughs> yeah, he had his whole. He had his whole. Uh, what, what was that animation style called again? Mo- motion capture. Yeah, he had that whole motion capture phase of his career. I'm glad he got past that. Did he wait? Is he past that? I think this is all motion capture. Maybe. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't know. Personally, so, I think I'm kind of more looking forward towards the Netflix uh, Guillermo del Toro Pinocchio, sure. just because, just because I think that's going to be just completely wild and different, and you know. Yeah, it's going to be uh, the Pan's uh, Labyrinth version. Yeah, it's, it's going to be like this has this is like nothing like the original Pinocchio, and I'm sure he's going to also take some liberties with the story. I'm sure he's going to change it up a bit, and make mm-hmm. a couple changes. Yeah, he's and going, something that Disney's definitely not going to do. Disney's going to do the the movie version, and uh, Guillermo's doing the book version. Oh yeah, see, yeah, cool. And, and well, Guillermo del Toro's is kind of a stop motion uh, animated film, and it, mm-hmm. yeah, it yeah. feels like he's going to be doing what Guillermo does best, you know. A lot of insects, <laughs> a lot of, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, probably disembowelments <laughs> of, of insects. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's going to be, about, you know, like this creepy style. And uh, I agree with you, Raymond. I think that the, the, the Toro's uh, Pinocchio probably is more promising. And that's coming out Netflix later in the year. But with, I, I think with Zemeckis' version, he gets the the upper hand because it's it's Disney, and I think a lot yeah. more, a lot more eyeballs is yeah. going to watch this film. Yeah, and you know what? Um, since it is Zemeckis, and since it is going to be on Disney Plus, uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be watching both of them when they come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This Pinocchio is gonna have a, obviously going to have a lot of singing in this, since Cynthia Revio is playing the Blue Fairy and Keegan Michael Key, which did his uh, singing in Michael's favorite movie. What was it called? Mm-hmm. The Nutcracker or something like that, right? Yeah. No, it was uh, 
it was Jingle Jangle Christmas Journey. This was the Netflix fantasy or musical. It's just yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I didn't, I, I, when I, when I click on, when I clicked on this title, I'm like, I don't care about this movie, and and I wasn't paying attention, and then I, and then I saw. A then you started scenes. dancing. <laughs> Did I saw mm-hmm. a couple scenes? I go, oh wait, wait, this is not that bad. And I saw a couple of scenes later, and I still wasn't paying full attention to it. And then I kind of went through the whole movie like that, just not really paying attention. But I go, and you started I, singing. Well, I heard the music. I'm like, oh, I like this. <laughs> so I went back, like, you know, of course, this is during Christmas. So, I mean, I wanted to get into the Christmas spirit. So I, I went back and rewatched it, paid attention. And I think it's a great movie. <laughs> Forrest Whitaker's best performance yet. No, 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 but he's great. I mean, he plays a toy maker. And the, the, I liked how the music kind of felt like 90s R&B. You know, it was like in vogue. It reminded me of the, those those bands, uh, Jodeci. <laughs> You know, it was like like fun. It was fun. I, I was really having a great time watching it. I think it's a good Netflix uh, Christmas movie. There you go. So you know, before we go, Stranger Things, uh, we got a chance. Me and Rich got a chance to see season four, volume one. Uh, we saw the whole thing. It was seven episodes. Volume two was gonna come out later in Ju- July, which is smart. I mean, they're both coming out in the uh, on holiday weekends, so Memorial Day, and also uh, Fourth of July weekend. With- it's smart on a netflix point yeah, yeah. And, and so far it's been a big big viewership i mean it was it's breaking records it's the biggest show that's come out on netflix that's what they have announced uh what which what's your thoughts on on volume one uh, season four volume one of stranger things i agree with most people that it's it's one of the best ones uh it's one of the best seasons and are people uh, saying that i think so I think I heard people like criticizing the value that this these new episodes, but I don't know. Go ahead. I think it was all around entertaining. Uh, I think uh, it's um, they 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 did what um, they usually do. They split them up the characters because there's so many characters now, Mm -hmm. and they're even bringing in more characters into the in the show. Mm -hmm. But unlike a lot of other shows, these new these new actors they picked are phenomenal. the new the new guy joseph quinn who who um who joseph quinn who plays eddie uh i think he's doing uh, a great job that i wish he uh he doesn't die i mean well, we don't know yeah, yeah, who yeah. Knows? <laughs> well let, let me say i i think i do i agree with you i think this volume one of season four of stranger things is pretty decent i would give it if i had to give it a grade i'd probably give it a b but i'll wait until i'll finish the season with volume two I think what they do right with the series is that they split them up, but they do it in a way that is not confusing. I think uh, the breakout star, or, or there's two kind of breakout stars in this volume one. It's uh, Gaiden Matarazzo, who plays Dustin. He's the breakout of this you know, series. He's, he has some really great one-liners. Yeah. He's fun. He's funny. He has great chemistry with... with um, uh, with uh, Joe, uh, with Joe, 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 yeah, with Joe Keery, who plays Steve, mm-hmm. they have great chemistry. You know, they, we've seen the chemistry before in the other, the previous seasons. The other breakout star is uh, Brett Gelman, who plays Murray, <laughs> yeah. he, and he's having a great time, and I'm, I'm having a fun time watching him. And he's paired up with uh, Winona Ryder, and they have great chemistry too. So I, I think it's a fun. It's fun. It's not perfect, you know. Obviously, it's not perfect, but for Netflix, it's perfect. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a lot better, and you can see the you know there there was a lot of a brouhaha about how much they're putting in this these episodes, yeah. twenty million an episode or something like that, very high mm-hmm. number, and mm-hmm. but you actually could see it. There's a lot of great uh, special effects. I like they're using practical effects mixed with uh, CGI, so it doesn't look bland. Mm-hmm. I I love the, the the way it's shot. The Duffer Brothers has really kind of uh, developed a, f- a really great style, and right away in the first episode, it's like fast pace is you know has this pulse uh it's pulsating it's going quickly and it's never it never slows down and that's what i like about it it's it's a fun little thing well they bring up a, a, a this whole idea of a dungeon and dragons uh, club called the hellfire club mm-hmm. which is kind of a reference to x-men yeah it's a nod to it and i think this movie kind of feels like an x-men series you know uh the millie bobby that's brown true. the millie bobby brown character the 11 she's trying to regain her powers that, that to me feels very much like uh, X-Men, you know, 80s X-Men. So yeah. I, that's why I really like about it. I'm a huge X-Men comic book fan. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of the, this is, I see this more like a, a kind of a, like a weird upside down version of X-Men. <laughs> you know, these kids are searching for how to defeat a, a villain. I think it's cool. I mean, yes, I can nitpick it all day. Yeah. It's not perfect, like I said, but um, yeah. There's, but there's, I mean, if if you had to wait another, uh, uh, you know, a year to see the next chapter, I think I would uh, I would I would be more disappointed. Mm-hmm. But uh, knowing that I only have to wait another month, basically, I mean, uh, I'm I'm enjoying it even more. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, although I would say the last episode of Value One, I didn't particularly like. I mean, it was an extra. Mm-hmm. 30 minutes is an hour and 30 minutes or so. Mm. And I, I, I don't think you need that extra 30 minutes. I think they could have cut that down. It just feels a little more bloated than the other episodes. But yeah. uh, another great thing, it had a really great cameo of Robert England. Yeah. <laughs> this season has a Freddy Krueger vibe because it's, it's dealing with kind of fantasy world or someone entering your dreams or your nightmares. I, I like that idea. Like, I, I think Duffel Brothers picks the right parts of 80s horror movies or science fiction movies and i think they do it well and it doesn't feel like a gurgitation of those movies or those genres i think they have created a certain style that feels original but also an homage to some of those movies from the 80s and 90s so i like it uh but maybe i'm just biased because i grew up on the 80s and 90s movies yeah so. it's great it's great to see uh, that tate bush is getting all this praise too as <laughs> a single um running up that hill but um it was number one in itunes yeah just because yeah. It, it was a played an important part in one episode and so and it was a good it was a good sequence rich do you you recommend it oh definitely all right so that was our quick thoughts on on stranger things so all right thank you for listening to inside flicks we'll be back next week with a new episode uh all right all right bye-bye <laughs>